ladies and gentlemen, we are preparing the funeral pyre for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers, who somehow inexplicably went into Brooklyn and lost a game. We are two games away from the end of the season and a stretch that had previously led us to believe that our orange and black warriors were going to be leading us to at least a nice first-round playoff exit but with the potential of a very brief second-round series are now putting us in a position where we might only have two games left in our meaningful hockey season. <laughs> I, oh, am a de- I am a dejected <laughs> Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by CrossingBroad.com's Flyers beat writer, the ever uh, positive, the ever effervescent. That's not even the right word for it. No, Anthony but I'll, Santalippo. I'll, ta- I'll take it. I'll be effervescent, effervescent if you want. <laughs> I think this is fantastic. So okay, I'm done. I just I I think it's important that we kind of address the way that people are probably feeling right now. I think after uh, God, that was it was just an awful loss. It I I think maybe we should we should do this entire podcast like the flyers played last night we'll do the first so two-thirds of it we just won't try yeah we won't try and for 40 minutes and then the last 20 minutes we'll bust our ass right absolutely yeah like oh my god all right uh before we get started you know of course as always uh cro- the snow the goalie podcast is part of the crossing broad podcast network make sure you check out all of the shows but of course you are here for hockey talk and thank god we have the best in the business not me that would be Anthony to uh, to break down this game, to break down the Flyers' playoff hopes, and uh, to obviously break down what's going on with Florida. They've got a, an interesting schedule coming up, and um, let's let's just get into it, Anthony. Well, what I'll tell you the, right what what the hell happened. <laughs> well, do we want let's we want to talk about the game first. Or we don't want to look at the the playoff situation. Let's look at the playoff situation first, and then I guess... Because I'll make you feel a little... I think I'll make you feel a little bit better if we talk right, about the playoff give, situation give me, first. Give me a little then pep. We could, a little pep yeah, in a step. a little pep, right? And then, then we'll realize... Then we'll break down what the hell happened against the Islanders. So, losing the game was... Yeah, it would have been good good for the Flyers to win because the, the magic number is three, uh, and that's points. And that's points either earned by the Flyers or lost by the Florida Panthers. Um, so, the Flyers missed out on getting any, so they didn't earn any. And then Florida won a game 2-1 to one against Nashville. It was a re- They played a really good game against the Predators, uh, who are the best team in hockey. Um, and it kind of ended with a little bit of controversy. The Predators tied it with like three-tenths of a second left, but they went to a video review, and they called it goalie interference, and so the, the goal did not count. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of Flyers fans freaked out about that. Like, the, oh, my God, Nashville would have won an overtime or a shootout, blah, blah, blah. And it would have at least gotten uh, the magic number down to two. So nothing happened. The Flyers, did, the magic number didn't change. So the Flyers now have two games left. Uh, Carolina Thursday and the Rangers on Saturday. Both games at Wells Fargo. The Flyers only need to go 1-0-1 uh, in those two games. They could go 2-0, but if they, at worst, 1-0-1, and they make the playoffs. So it doesn't even matter what happens with Florida. So if, if the Flyers just take care of their own business... Florida is irrelevant, and they still make the playoffs. So I think mathematically, that's a good spot to be in. You control your own destiny, and if you win one game, you can lose the other one. Just make sure it gets to overtime, um, and, and, you're, and you're definitely in. However, if they happen to lose one of those two games in regulation, Likely. Then, then, they, <laughs> then they need help. And the help would be from either the Boston Bruins or the Buffalo Sabres. Now, 
I don't think that there's any way we can rely in any capacity on the Buffalo Sabres winning a game, especially in Florida. I mean, those sa- it's the last game of the season for Buffalo, right? They're, they've been stuck in one of the worst cities in America for an entire year playing terrible hockey. They get a vacation. <laughs> they, they get to go to South Florida for their last game. There is no way that they're, they're going to go in there and play a hard game and give Florida a, a tough time. Especially if Florida needs the game. Um, so, really, it comes down to the two Boston games. They play Boston at home on Thursday, and then there's a makeup game on Sunday. It's the only game in the NHL on Sunday. Um, it was because of a snowstorm up in Boston, and Florida, the Florida game got canceled. Um, so, they're making it up on Sunday. So, Thursday is the more important one. If Florida loses that game, if Boston wins that game, that could, that's it. The Flyers are going to get in. If Florida lose, if Florida wins that game, then you, you assume they beat Buffalo, which is, I think, the automatic. And it, it could come down to that last game Sunday in Boston. Okay, well, it's not easy to beat Boston. They have the best record in the conference. You've got to beat them twice in, th- in four days. However, the one thing that nobody's thinking about is there's a real possibility that that game Sunday in Boston means nothing to the Bruins. They could either already have the division locked up and the number one seed, or if they lose and then maybe you know lose again on Saturday, Tampa takes the number one seed, and then Boston's got nothing to play for on Sunday at all. In either instance, there's a good chance that they sit there and say, "Well, no reason to play Bergeron, you know, no reason to play uh, you know any of our top players. We'll put Anton Kadobin in goal instead of Tuka Rask." Um, yeah, like let's let's let these guys not play or play them very little, and then the game in Florida has a much easier game on the road than it, than you might think. So it's important for the Flyers at this point to win these games, at least win one of them for sure, and then see what happens after Thursday. Um, so tomorrow night at this time, Flyers fans are either going to be ecstatic or they're going to be. There's going to be a lot of sphincter tightening taking place around the city. Sphincter tightening, you say? Yeah. <laughs> well, well you, how else do you do you look at it? Because if they if they if they lose to Carolina tomorrow night, even if they lose in overtime and they only get one point, if they lose to Carolina tomorrow night and Florida doesn't lose in regulation, it's it it's we're in a situation where it's it's it comes down to Saturday against the Rangers, last game of the season, like it did in 2010 in a lot of ways. It, it, Thursday is such a big day in a lot of ways for for the Flyers because if you ma- you can even make it more complex, Russ, you can look at other games. Columbus is playing, New Jersey is playing, and those games could also affect where the Flyers finish in the in the division, in the Metropolitan Division. And not only are we talking about you know oh clinging to a playoff spot, but they could even jump up and you know go to the first wild card or even up to third place in the division. Um, and you can you know end up playing <laughs> end up playing Pittsburgh in the first round, um, which would be wonderful. Uh, but no, th- so there's so many things that can happen Thursday that matter more than anything. So by tomorrow, by Thursday night, we will be either in a in, a, in like you know really happy about where the Flyers are or really panicky. And I think that's that's really the the message that I'm trying to send with this. It's just really hard to imagine. You know, I I think even if we went back to some of the craziest stretches that we've seen. You know, we we definitely were riding high after that post Super Bowl um, undefeated, well undefeated in regulation streak 
was mm-hmm. it 12 games was it 12 games i confused them and the sixers a lot uh, with <laughs> with that you know that was back when you can enjoy sports in philadelphia that was right. great right. um but when you think about even the more recent stretch that they had where they jumped to the top of the metropolitan division it seemed unfathomable that at, at that point we would have been in a scenario like we are right now. I mean, if if you kind of cast aside the fact that it's the Flyers and this kind of thing seems to happen almost every season, um, you know this this team that we talked about in the last episode being you know if you look at the if you look at the record and you kind of treat overtime losses slash shootout losses as what they are, which is a loss, it really is a mediocre team record wise. Uh, they're, I think they're perfectly at 500 right now. There was one of our listeners had actually said on Twitter that, you know, if you take out the shootout losses, because they don't consider that to be anything more than just a skills competition, there are, I believe, five or six games over 500. But it, even still, that's all a, a hypothetical that you're, or, or a different premise that you're kind of basing this stuff on. It's still a loss of, you know, potential points. The, the idea that a few weeks ago we would have been sitting and looking forward, I, I think it would have been something where we never would have imagined that it would take help from the Florida Panthers, uh, you know, not finishing the season strong, that we'd have to be praying that Boston was going to, you know, Boston or, or God help us if we really need Buffalo to be the ones to do it. <laughs> we're going to be the, the way to get the Flyers into the playoffs. It Look, at the beginning of the season, obviously we're, we weren't doing the show. This was something that Kyle and I had argued about, and I think even Adam at the time, we had ad- argued about on the other show, which was, I said, the talent on this team didn't strike me as something that was going to be a formidable force going into the playoffs. Kyle had always made the case that, you know, for some reason, he seems to think that if you have a team that has enough players with a heartbeat and a pulse, or, you know, with a pulse and are capable of inhaling oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide, that that just automatically makes you a playoff team in, in the NHL. I tried for for weeks on end to explain to him that, like, no, this team is going to have plenty of youth, and they also have some vets, some of which really don't hold much value in terms of, you know, being legitimate, useful players on this team. It's not a foregone conclusion that you make the playoffs, and even if you do, you're probably going to be the eighth seed, which is going to probably be a lamb for slaughter, if we're honest, going into, you know, a, a playoff matchup that's of course before we knew how the standings were going to shake out again this is in the beginning of the year I think if you had told me preseason that we would be looking at a scenario like this I would have believed it but you know whether or not you like to subscribe to the ideology of there being a sliding scale uh, where you know you kind of readjust your expectations based on how your team is playing I think that's how you often get your heart broken as a fan there have been stretches in the season where I, I think it's it's just fair to say that it would have been a reasonable expectation for them to be a mid-table kind of team a, a maybe as as bad as a sixth seed maybe you could have challenged for a for a fifth seed at some point but for you to to really need buffalo or you know hopeful hope that boston is going to get the job done in the first game and then you know that kind of makes the the season finale with uh with boston and florida you know meaningless i just i i'm having a hard time and I'm I'm used to the Flyers letting me down, but this is this is really brutal. And well, wa- and watch I think more than anything, it's watching them come out and be so dead in the first two periods of, of that game against the Islanders. I think that's the part that to me I can't wrap my head around and it, it just strikes me as inexcusable, especially on a team 
that has vets. Well, I, I have so much I want to say. You, you threw so much in there, Russ. I got I got to address like several things and, and do it in rapid fire succession. First do of it all, all, yeah, I want I want to do say it live. This. Yes, I want to do this. I'm going to say this to to Kyle. Um, do you know a smaller percentage of teams make the playoffs in the NHL than they do in the NBA? Just want to point that out, number one, okay? Um, so it's not as easy to make the playoffs. It's, it's such an old-fashioned belief because there used to be a time when there was only 22 teams in the National Hockey League and 16 of them made it. Yes, that was a little ridiculous, but that's how it used to be. There are now 31 teams in, in the NHL and 16 make it. That's a smaller percentage than the NBA where it's 16 and 30, right? Okay, so that's number one. Um, so it isn't, isn't easy to make it. Um, number two, you're a little bit of a fatalist, Russ. I, I, I know that you're, you're, you're playing the part of a good, good Flyers fan, um, but they, they, all they have to they don't even have to win both games. They have to win one and get, just get the other one to overtime, which they're the best team in hockey at, do, at doing, right? They have more, they've played more overtime and shootout games than any team in the NHL, 24. That's, a, that's an absurd number. They've played 24 games that have reached overtime or shootout. When it's, your team's it, not good enough to get it done in 60 minutes, you can always rely on the Philadelphia Flyers to push it to 65. That's right. And, and so that's all the, they have to do what they're good at. Win one game and then get themselves to, the, to, to a shootout or just get to overtime. You get to overtime, you're in. Right? You, don't even, you don't even have to win the game. If they win, they win Thursday uh, and, and then go to play New York on Saturday. The goal is just get to overtime. Don't matter if you win. Just get there. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's as, as dire as you're making it just yet. It can be. It can be if they lose another game like they lost to the Islanders on Tuesday. That was a, that's the concern I think that you, you have. I think you'd you look at it and say, well, geez, they're playing Carolina. Carolina, the last time they came to Philadelphia, spanked the Flyers. It was a really ugly game. Um, and they, Carolina won. I think it was 4-1 to one was the final score of the game. Um, and you don't want that to happen again. Or you're also you're worried to say, oh, maybe they beat Carolina, but, boy, the Rangers, they really skate, and they really gave the Flyers a hard time when they were here a couple weeks ago. And, yeah, the Flyers won it in, in overtime um, on a Couturier goal, but, boy, that was, a, that was a tough game, and I would hate to have to win that game um, to just make the playoffs. Yeah, you know what? I, I can see it. I mean, I, it's not outside the realm of possibility. But then you also have to sit there and say Florida has to win those has to win three straight games or well end up winning five straight games in order to uh, steal that last playoff spot if you if you falter so um, it, yeah I mean the, the possibility exists but I don't think it's time to panic just yet talk to me tomorrow night because <laughs> I might change my tune then remember Anthony I'm I'm sticking to a character here I'm I'm not going to care. <laughs> For the first two thirds, and then I will care in the final third. <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry, I forgot. So, so let's talk about. No, the that's pl- okay. Look, <laughs> uh, that, that's actually the the idea. This is where I get into crossover sports fans. You know, if if we're talking about a Philadelphia team that uh, is is okay in their defensive end and even in midfield, but can't you know finally you know put shots on goal, you can always sign up to be a Philadelphia Union fan, and they can break your heart starting now all the way through uh, through the summer and into the early fall. Or, you know, you could just go with a team that can't can't hit or score, and that would just be the Phillies. But that's what your other show's for. So, uh, yeah, let's let's keep going with the hockey. Yeah. <laughs> so so you asked, what the heck happened last in the game against the Islanders? Like, yeah. what, what went wrong in that game? 
And it, it so there, a lot of things went wrong. But I mean, the the primary thing is, and as we've pointed out, that they didn't show up for the first forty minutes. And really, the second period more so than the first. At least they got the first period was not good. But at least they got out of the first period. I think it was a one-one at that point, or did Islanders might? I think I think it was one-to-one at the end of the first period. Um, so it wasn't the greatest period, but it, it was like okay. I mean, you know, you, you probably let the Islanders hang around a little bit longer than you needed to. But the second period is where things went kablooey, and the the primary. Oh boy, the, the and I hate to say primary, but geez, two of those goals are completely on Wayne Simmons. And I, I hate criticizing the guy because he's such he's been such a good player here for so long. But you saw a game last night that was maybe Wayne Simmons at his worst. And you worry that the way he's been playing has been trending toward a game like that and that it's going that's really kind of going in the wrong direction. And that's the concern that you have if you're a Flyers fan. He turns the puck over on one goal, and it was a turnover in the in the neutral zone, so it wasn't a killer. Um, it's one of those plays that happens in hockey pretty pretty frequently, right? I mean, that's hockey's a game of mistakes and turnovers, and and that's how goals ultimately end up getting scored. Um, so he's making a pass from the far wall. He's trying to make a cross ice pass. It's a little offline, and Josh Bailey inter- intercepts it. But Josh Bailey's still on the Islanders' side of the red line, so he's got a, l- a lot of ways to go, and both Flyers defensemen are back. So you figure, okay, it's just going to be a rush. So here comes Bailey into the zone. Provorov does a real nice job of forcing him wide out toward the wall. And so you think, okay, you're either going to get a, a low-percentage shot or he's going to try and skate around behind the net and maybe try and find something on the other side. But you're not going to get you know, a, a high-percentage chance here. Except what ends up happening is John Tavares splits down the middle, and he's Simmons' guy. And Tavares, if you look at the video, never stops skating, and Simmons does. He, it's not that he, he kind of goes into a glide. So Tavares, and they both started from about the same spot on the ice, so Tavares now gets a step ahead of him. And so Simmons is, just starts hacking at him, Hoping to try and maybe you know distract him, I guess. And it, I mean, he could have been called for a slash twice and wasn't, um, so he was kind of getting away with it. But it was Ill, it was ineffective. Uh, Tavares gets a, a a shot on goal that Mrazek doesn't really can't cover up, and then the rebound sitting loose, and he lifts it over the goalie for a goal. So that's the first one. So not can I pause you there for a second? Yeah. So you mentioned Mrazek bounce issues. Did last yeah. night kind of seal it in your mind? That as long as Michael Neuvert is able to be to be back for a playoff run, that he is the backup. Brian Elliott is the starter. Mrazek's not in the mix. I didn't need it. I didn't need to wait till last night or till the Islanders game. <laughs> okay, I I knew a while ago. I mean, you could see, he plays so small in net. He that's his problem. Is I I don't understand why he was taught to play. Like and look, he's an NHL goalie, right? I and mean, who am I to tell an NHL go- NHL goalie how he should play? But you're the, the preeminent is- voice in Flyers <laughs> hockey in the city of Philadelphia. That's, That's who fine. you are, Anthony Sanfilippo. Thanks. Who is Peter um, Mrazek? But that, but the point is, is that he really and he, I guess it's how he makes himself quick post to post. He does move well laterally, but he does make himself small. He stays back in the net and he makes himself small. Um, the goal the other night in the game against, or the other day against Boston on Easter Sunday, 
that deflects that was a power play goal deflected off of Andrew McDonald's skate didn't take didn't change direction. It just kind of knuckled a little bit, but it didn't change direction. And the reason it went past him is because of the way he went down. He kind of the le- his left side kind of broke down. Uh, it's kind of hard to kind of explain it, but he he his it's not like he dropped to his knees and was a straight wall. Okay, his left his left side kind of bent in a little bit, and that and the puck floated by over over that part of his body. It's a thing where he's trying to make himself smaller so that he doesn't give up a bigger rebound because he does have a, a rebound problem, and so I think that's what that's what's happening with him, and and in this instance, I mean it's not his fault. I mean, you know, Tavares is right on the doorstep and he's trying to jam it through, and it, you know it's tough to try and cover that because you know the puck's right there and he's jam- and Tavares is jamming at it, but it kind of comes out far enough just to you know eight ten inches. It's all really needs to come out. And Tavares can then now lift it over him. So it's not really, I mean, again, the goal, I put it on Wayne Simmons. It's not on Mrazek in that instance. Um, and then later on, the Islanders have the, the puck in the zone. Um, Barzal has the puck on his stick. And he makes a, a, a fake. And it wasn't even a great deke. It was just kind of like a, a shoulder shimmy. And Simmons gets caught going toward the blue line. Now I don't know if I don't know about you, Russ, but if you're playing, if you're defending a guy, and his job is to get a shot on your goal, are you going to defend toward the blue line, or are you going to defend toward the circle where is a more high percentage scoring area? So I didn't understand why Simmons really overskated that way. Barzal then comes back around him, has a wide open shot, and this is one that you know he beats Morazic over the glove. Again, not blaming the goalie, but probably something he should have had. Or he, he could have stopped. Not, not that he should have had it, but he could have stopped it. Um, that's one of those times where you need to, the goalie needs to bail out the mistake that happened in front of him. And it didn't happen. Um, so both of those goals are on Wayne Simmons. And, yeah, he scored the goal in the first period. Okay, great. And that was a really nice play by Nolan Patrick and, and Oscar Limblom. But come third period, they took him off the power play, which – if I recall correctly, Russ, on the last episode of the Snow of the Goalie, <laughs> I suggested, hey, maybe they should take Wayne Simmons off the power play and put Nolan Patrick there because he's, didn't, he's done such a good job there in the past when Simmons was hurt and the power play struggling. So maybe that would be a good thing. And lo and behold, in the third period against the Islanders, they took Wayne Simmons off the top power play unit and Nolan Patrick scored not once but twice on the power play. Uh, in Wayne Simmons' kitchen, basically, right in front of the net, both goals. Rumors, so, rumors were abound that the reason they did that is because it reminded some of the fans who are still uh, missing Braden Shen. It would give them a little, a little something <laughs> that they could kind of look at and scream about. Well, I mean, you know, Nolan Patrick is a cute little baby boy, and that's who they, you know, that's is he they, your they baby? Is him. he my baby? Is he all of our babies? We love <laughs> Nolan Patrick. He's a nice young man, and not only is he a nice young man, but he's a, a young man who's shown some real resiliency this season. Um, you know, I, I definitely this is not to to go down another rabbit hole that takes you away from what has been a, a wonderful analysis to thus far. But Nolan Patrick was a guy. Again, this is like a, a thing that's been an argument throughout the season. Of course, people were upset because Nico Hishie, who's the uh, what, is, what is it? Is it his Hishier? Hishier? I, I, I say mo- Hishier. What? what? I know. I don't know. It could. It could okay. be Hishier. Look, if you want to, you want to make him French. I mean, he's from Switzerland. Do you want to make him French? We could go German, or we could go 
French. Either right. would be an so acceptable you want to make language. French, go go yeah, Hishier. Okay. But I, I'm I'm going Hishier. Hishier. Yeah, naturlich. Um, I you know I I would say that there were fans who were obviously upset because they wanted to uh, scream out Nico power play. I think Kyle actually had a shirt ready to go for it, so that was disappointing for him. That was lost revenue. Um, but all throughout the season, you were able to see that Nico was playing really well with with Jersey, and it it seemed like Nolan. You know, people I would say even in December were calling him a bust, and he's had a what I would consider an an awesome turnaround. I think part of that is also just recovering from the sports hernia surgery that he had. And knowing that that injury is not the simplest to come back from, and you're trying to get yourself adjusted to the highest level of competition in you know domestic leagues in uh, in the world for hockey, and it's a, it's a totally different game. It's it's tough for rookies who are fully healthy, let alone one who's coming in you know with a, an extensive history injury or a, an extensive injury history. And what he had something with a face, right? Wasn't it a like a, a no, well, he had a concussion at the beginning of the year, but I think that they milked it a little bit. Okay, yeah, I mean he he took a hit and you know and he went off and they said oh he's got a concussion and it, it was one of those things that was going to be like seven to ten days you know in that protocol and then he ended up missing like three weeks, um, three and a half weeks and I think that was more they were slowly bringing him back so that he could get better because he up to that point he was not good. But it's um, it really has been awesome to see him get more comfortable and you know as he's been getting elevated you know you mentioned of course the first power play unit but like just to see him kind of move up on on lines and get to a spot where you know he's actually in crucial junctures of uh of games he's actually playing with legitimate people now he's not saddled or strapped down with like a Yori Laterra or a Val Fippola. like he's actually playing with legitimate NHL players he's scoring goals he's getting assists and he's he's drawing like guess what I like to call he's he's drawing gravity um, he had seven seven points in uh, February, and uh, seven in March as well. And you know he's off to a good start. Or, yeah, and uh, he's he's off to a good start this month. Uh, and so, I think if nothing else, we're seeing some consistent scoring on his part. And the two power play or the two goals that he had in this last game, I thought were were a good sign. Especially you know you know plenty of hockey, and you know you made a, an excellent prediction that he would uh, certainly not be a drop down from what you had been getting from Wayne Simmons. As a matter of fact, it appears as though if we can project that forward, he may in fact be an upgrade. So yeah. Yeah. That's I, think, I mean, and that's not a knock on Wayne Simmons. Cause I think, and, and I've had this discussion with a couple people. My assertion is Wayne Simmons is the best I've ever seen in the, in a flyers Jersey at deflecting shots into go into the net. I think he's the best stand in front of the goalie and, you know, get in front of a shot, have it hit off of him, off of his stick or whatever. I honestly – and I think that's a real skill, and I think he's the best that's ever done it for a flyer. That's saying a lot because the flyers have had – you know, Tim Kerr, if you, we go back to the 80s, um, was a 50-goal scorer who scored a ton of goals on the power play. I think he holds the record for most power play goals in flyers history. I think he had 24, I want to say, just off the top of my head. Um, but, I, 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 you know, even he, even he wasn't as good at it as Wayne Simmons. But I think that Nolan Patrick brings a different dynamic at this point um, to that power play that Wayne Simmons doesn't. Wayne Simmons is more of just get in the way, deflect, and see see if it goes in. I think Patrick has an, another level of skill that Simmons doesn't, and that's a, that's the vision that he has. So he can actually take a puck in the slot in front of the goal, and he can he could do a number of things with it. I mean, he could shoot it and score. He can slide a, a silky little pass off to the side to an open 
uh, winger who can score. I think that there's a lot more to Nolan Patrick's offensive game on the power play than Wayne Simmons at this point in their careers. Uh, and I will say this about Nolan Patrick. He now has 28 points, which is the same number of points Travis Konechny had last year as a rookie. And so you see how Konechny has developed this year, uh, albeit most of it since December 24th when or 23rd, I think it was the game when they against Columbus when they uh, finally put him on the top line. But I, I you know, I think Patrick has the ability to do that for a full season next year. And I think that you're looking at a at a kid who could be a a sixty point scorer next season because um, I think he's that talented because he plays center and, and that's that's a more important position. So uh, yeah, you're pointing it out. I mean, he's he's really turned it on second half of the year, February March, um, really played well. But I, I think it, it's only going to keep getting better and better for him. I'd I'd like to see him, and I kind of just snuck this into the story today. Uh, uh, Wednesday. <laughs> I'll get Wednesday, right Thursday. They're all they both end in in day. It's fine. Yes. We. Yes. Re- I I don't uh, remember what part I cut out before, but yeah, we record this on Wednesday night so that we're not up against it. And sometimes we will uh, accidentally say the wrong day. So we're yes. Yep. So the story that ran Wednesday. There you go. Um, about the Islanders game, I kind of snuck in toward the toward the end that. Uh, I'd like to see the Flyers. I'd like to see Dave Hackstall make a line, make a line change at the top, and that's this is not because I think that there needs to be a demotion from the top line, but I think that the lines will be more interesting. Put Voracek back on the top line, and I'd say that because it'll Sean Couturier is the one guy who's kind of his offense has kind of dropped off a bit um, over the last month and a half or so. And more so because I think that he didn't have – I think the reason he got off to such a great start was because he had two of the best assist – I mean the two best assist guys in the NHL feeding him the puck in Giroux and Voracek. Konechny, as, as good as he's been, is not as, as skilled an assist guy as Voracek is. So you put Voracek back up there, now all of a sudden you, you have a real dangerous top line with those – with Drew and Voracek and now Couturier scoring – probably scoring goals again. And Konechny go onto the second line with Patrick and Lindblom and make that second line really, really a, a, a top-end speed line that has goal-scoring ability in both Patrick and Konechny. And Lindblom is a very um, responsible forward. He can play both ways. He plays really smart defensive hockey. So, And I don't think Konechny – if you look at Konechny and Voracek – the one change, and we talked about this before the before we started recording the show. Um, the one difference between the two of them is Voracek a lot of times carries the puck up from, out of the out of the flyer zone through the neutral zone and into uh, into the offensive end. Uh, and Konechny doesn't really do that. He's more of the guy who's going to break out, and, and you're going to try and get him the puck down ice. So you say, okay, well, who does it then on that second line? I think the solution would be that you now play your top defensive pair with the second group. So play Provorov and Gostaspair with those guys and play McDonald and Sanheim with the Giroux-Couturier-Vorchek uh, line. This way, Gostaspair and Provorov can carry the puck up because they're so much better at it um, than the rest of the defensemen. And you could still you could still spring Konechny. You can still try all those different things. And I think you make for a really exciting line. So if Dave, if Dave Hackstall is listening... And I know you are, Dave. Hey, Dave, how are you? Give it a shot. Give, just give it a, you know, just think about it. You know, just, just put, play it out in your mind. I think it would be a good thing. I really do. 
I think it is a uh, it, it's an interesting idea. I do worry that dropping Konechny down could possibly, you know, what's what's the best way to say this? It's not that I don't believe in Konechny. It's just I don't like the the concept of blowing up something that's working right now. Like my, I think, I, and this is something we had talked about before the show. I worry that I, I think to some extent Jake Voracek is able. I still think he probably has some gravity to him that defenses are still going to kind of shade his way a little bit at least if he's on that second line. And I'm not so sure that you're going to see that same respect paid, you know, with him on the top line. Uh, obviously, that's going to cause. Um, probably a, a more equal distribution, which maybe does free up Couturier, but then I don't know what that does to the second line. I don't know if that then leads the defense to kind of shade more to uh, what Nolan or to where Nolan Patrick is playing at, and if that you know starts to kind of um, you know hinder his ability to to drive play like he's been. And I I just I don't want to see you know us kind of switch this whole thing up where now you've got three young guys playing on this second line in a critical juncture. I almost kind of like the calming hand of there being a legitimate veteran. You know, you talked about it in the last show. Voracek was the guy who was kind of calming everybody down in that Boston game when they conceded that late goal. I I think there's still something to be said for that, and I do worry that, you know, could the pressure of the moment kind of crush that second line? Now, your idea of switching the defensive pairings to kind of, you know, put your stud defensive pair with that young line, I do think that that could benefit them immensely and I do think that if they're going to do it that makes the most sense I certainly don't want to see an Andrew McDonald defensive pairing and you know we love Travis Sanheim he's the first guest on the show uh, in episode one for those of you who missed it I don't know how you possibly could but um, I, I don't know if I like the idea of them rolling out the same defensive pairings uh, the way that they are right now and I'm worried that Dave Haxtall might not do the switch that you're kind of proposing and I think that that could, you know, potentially cause all kinds of chemistry issues. And it could also, you know, I, I don't know, maybe as as a mid-game switch, I wouldn't be opposed. But I, I certainly don't know if I'm comfortable doing it in the last two games of the season. So we've kind of reversed roles here. It's like it's like Freaky Friday all of a sudden, um, although it's Thursday. Um, but, it's fri- but it's Wednesday. <laughs> but it's Thursday. Uh, uh, but no, it's like Freaky Friday in the sense that, Look at you wanting to have veteran leadership on the ice, and me. But they're saying, not the veterans. That, but they're not veterans that suck. They're veterans that actually have skill and talent. It's, but here, here's no, my but argument I, back that you. Okay, go ahead, Russ. Because you said you said you're, you're worried about breaking up something that's working, and I and I get it. And I'm I'm 99 times out of 100, I'm right there with you. I don't. I say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But let's keep in mind that the reason that this line is working with Travis Konechny on the top line with Giroux and Vorch and Giroux and Couturier is because they broke up something that wasn't broken. They fixed something that wasn't broken. They That top line was scoring a ton of points prior to Christmas, if you recall, yep. Giroux, Couturier, and Voracek, and they broke it up because they needed to get more scoring through the lineup. Well, now that Konechny has established himself as a goal scorer, which yeah, he's got, what, 24 goals now? I think maybe you can try it again, and, and um, it's it, look. It could you could do it for you know a period, a period and a half, and if it's like oh no, this is a disaster, you can always switch back. That's the beauty of hockey is you can make that change. You don't have to stick with what you what you're doing the entire game. 
But I'd like to see a few shifts just to see what it does and, and see how teams react to it because now you have a choice. Now you're forcing the hand of the opposition. Who are you putting your best defensive line against? Well, most likely against Couturier, Drew, and Voracek because it's you know two, the three of the top 20 scorers in the NHL. Um, but now what defensive line are you putting out there against the, that speed? Like well, who are you gonna, how are you going to negate the speed of a 19-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 22-year-old. Like, wh- wh- who's doing that? Um, so that's – I think they're a real matchup nightmare in a lot of ways. And so I, it would be interesting to see how teams react to that. And so I, I just like to see them try it, especially if – I'll say this. How about this? Maybe we can meet, meet in the middle here. Don't do it for the Carolina game. And if you clinch your playoff spot by beating Carolina and Florida um, – only getting one point or or losing in regulation against Boston. And that game Saturday against the Rangers doesn't have any bearing on making the playoffs. It might have a bearing on seeding, but it doesn't have any bearing on making the playoffs. You try it against the Rangers. All right, I'm game on. Let's go for that. You good with that? Yeah, I, with that? I think that's perfectly fine. I just don't like it with the, the possible implication that, you know, uh, at the end of the season, we could be blaming that young group of players on the second line, you know, for an, an experimental thing with the season online and they fold. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that's it. Now, maybe if you want to add Yori Laterra to that line, I can, uh, <laughs> I can really come around. <laughs> so, so, you, so now here's the thing. Right, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you a question, right, Russ. I love it. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm gonna. Add, we're gonna rever- since we're completely reversing roles, I'm gonna ask you the question before I chime in. Okay. So, did you have a problem with Dave Hackstall trotting out that Yori Laterra line with? I guess it was with. Um, Matt Reed and uh, who the hell else was on that line last night uh, against the Islanders? Um, it was Reed, Laterra, and geez, who was is that? When I was saying Manning, wasn't it Manning and McDonald were both out on the ice? No, 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 games no. From... no, no. Yeah, no, you're confusing it because Provorov was was on. Okay. It was Provorov and Gostaspare were were on, or actually, it might not have even been Gostaspare. It might have been somebody else. But Provorov was the guy who ends up making the mistake. Um, but whoever the other winger was, it doesn't matter. But uh, the, it, it, on the go- on the game winning goal for the Islanders, right? Um, Latera is out there and gets Matthew Barzal blows right past him and, and is able on the two on one to score to score the game winning goal. Do you have a problem with that line being on the ice at that point? I think Yori Latera brings great veteran leadership to this team, <laughs> and I think that in the end of games when you uh, you need to really lock it in, you should always go with veteran leaders, uh, not necessarily your most skilled players, because. After all, what is a skilled player? They're unreliable, and they're more likely to make a mistake. Yori Laterra does not make mistakes. I love him at the end of games. I also love Matt Reed, who uh, you know has been playing most of the season in the AHL. I love him closing out games as well. So, uh, of course, I'm not okay with it, Anthony. Please, okay. I'm I'm sure that this is going to lead to some some moment where I I eat further crow. Uh, tell me tell me why that was the only option. It, it was because the Flyers were down four to one in the third period. Okay, entering the period, so Dave Haxtell has no choice at that point but to shorten his bench and really trot out his scoring his scoring players. Right, so your top two lines and probably you're rotating, you know, Simmons and Wheel in there a little bit. So you're probably maybe you know that Philpola line is getting the odd shift, but mostly going to be those top two lines. Um, it was Ghost, by so, the way. He was he was out there for that. It was Ghost. Oh, yeah. Ghost was on there. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, so, and I think Raffle was the other forward. Just to, if we were, I'm double checking the highlight right now. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it was raffle. Anyway, um, so the point is, is that th- those guys were on the ice consistently, and so the Flyers get back in the game. They scored three goals. They were dominant for a good twelve minutes of that third period. Really pushed the envelope. Really, really came hard. Uh, Patrick scores the two goals to get him close, and then Giroux, just because he's been clutch all season, I mean, every big spot he scores, he scores the tying goal, and everybody's fired up. So these guys have now spent most of the third period on the ice. It's now a tie game. You've caught up. You've tied up. Giroux's line was just out there. Patrick's line was out just before that. Well, who do you go to at that point? Like, really? I mean, you're, you have two options. You can either go with... Philpola's line or you go Laterra's line now we could argue Laterra shouldn't have been in the lineup to begin with once you bring Raffle back why do you take Scott Lawton out Scott Lawton's certainly a plus skater uh, something that Yori Laterra is not and does Scott Lawton can Scott Lawton skate with Barzal there yeah maybe maybe not but at least he's got a better chance than than Yuri Laterra does. So that's a fair argument that we can ask, you know, question the coach on. But the in-game decision itself, he doesn't have a choice. He's got to put a line out there that is subpar. Not to mention, the game's in New York. It's in Brooklyn. So the Islanders have the second change. So the Islanders take a look. The Islanders coach looks, looks over. Right, who's he putting out on the ice? Oh, okay. Oh, Laterra? All right, let's put our fastest line out there. And so with the, it works for the home team as a matchup. It's more because the Flyers just don't have the depth. And, and that's part of the problem with the team. Well, that's why they're 40 and 40. <laughs> you know, that's why they're a 500 team and they're mediocre. Um, because they don't have the depth that you need to be a, a really good team. They have a lot of players who you really like. Their top end players are excellent skill players and are, you know, maybe even elite in, in some instances, like Drew and Voracek. Um, but they, they, they don't have anything below them it's a, such a gap it's such a gap between the second line and the third line it really really is and that's something that you know when you're a good team when you're a stanley cup contender is there a gap from one to four yeah but there's not a chasm from two to three and then three to four it's kind of a small step down each time and th- there's too big of a gap here and that's part of the problem so i, c- I can't blame the coach for throwing those guys on the ice in that spot. He didn't he doesn't have much of a choice at that point. I I'm just kind of beside myself that I'm listening to to you uh defend Dave Hackstall. <laughs> I know of all people, right? I mean I I'm the I, I I'm the champion of saying the coaches makes makes a lot of mistakes. Blame the coach, blame the coach, blame the coach. I do it all the time. I'm a I I defend players far more than I defend the coaches. And it's it's weird because, you know, the players are the ones that are playing. But when you see the style that they're playing or you see the, the decisions that are being – and this is in all sports, right? I, I, I say this in every sport. I think coaches can't – I don't think coaches can really win games. Talent wins games. But I sure as heck think coaches can lose games. And so the best coaches don't lose games. And the worst coaches do lose games. And so I'm when the Flyers are losing games and I see something, I say, well – is that a mistake because the guy is not a good player sometimes? Or is that a systemic mistake? Is that something that keeps happening over and over again? Well, why does it keep happening over and over again? Is it because the player is not good? Or is it because of the system that's being played? I argue that it's the system a lot of times with the Flyers. And if you're blaming the system, then it has to be the person who's implementing that system. And so that's why I blame the coach. But in this instance, I cannot, cannot blame Dave Haxtall. He d- didn't have any other choice. <sighs> 
We're two episodes Sorry. in, and I feel like we've gone totally Jekyll and Hyde, Freaky Friday. <laughs> I, I don't even know what's left. I mean, if <laughs> I think if we lined up the first episode and this one side by side, uh, the, none of this makes sense. And I blame the Flyers. I, I blame them for all of this. We should have been celebrating what what should have you know ostensibly been a a, a playoff clinching victory over the Islanders, right? Or yeah, would it have been? Would it have? No, no it wouldn't have clinched. Been, they would have been. It would have been a point out, right? Uh, yeah, magic number would have been one. So we right. would have essentially been celebrating a playoff, you know, a playoff berth. And instead, we're sitting here trying to pick up the pieces because Yuri Laterra's line was out at the end of a game. I mean, and out of necessity. Like, it's just, it, it's a messed up scenario. Um, like, I don't know, like, positives, I guess, that we could take out of it. We've already mentioned it, but Nolan Patrick, we can talk about Claude Giroux and the fact that he's set his, uh, his personal high for points, right? Um, st- he keeps doing it. He's got the first 30-goal season. He's now got 97 points, third in the NHL in scoring. 30 goals at age 30. Like, it, that, that yeah. to me, I think, and we talked about this on the last episode as well, his resurgence to to dominance uh i mean like we're we're in a scenario right now where he has the most points that he that he is uh had since what was it the year that um ever that well i know no no but i'm saying like the last time that he had anywhere near this amount of points was the year was it 20 12 it was the 12 15? i think it was, no, was it 2012 no. when laviolette said he was the best player in the world no that was that no was, that was that was that was that, was, that, was, that 10 was that 2010 no. No, it was oh 2011 uh, when they beat the Penguins. When did they beat the Penguins? Oh, I'm looking. 12. They beat uh, they beat him in 12. That was it. That's that was when so was, he the, it was the shift. Yeah, yeah, it was 2012. But that wasn't the year he had the the, the 93 points. See, I think it was 14 that he actually had the 93 point season. Because I was gonna, working, gonna, the, I was I was working for the team, so I, it, it had to be. It wasn't the year before because the year before was the lockout. They only had a half season. Um, so I was, the, I was with the Flyers for two years and it was the, the second year because I remember doing a big campaign for him to be the, the Hart Trophy final. So a gun to your head. What, what, uh, season did he have 93 points? Uh, 13, 14. Nope. It was 11, 12. Was it, it really? It really was. It, that was all in the same year. So, Damn. you know, it's, it's crazy because he had not eclipsed 90 points. Uh, it, that was the only time in his career that he went over 90. And what did he have in nine? What did he have in nine, uh, thirteen, fourteen? Thirteen, fourteen. He had eighty-six points. Okay, so that's, he, was, okay. he was coming so close. That, a, that was the highest goal total that he had had. Uh, it was thirteen and fourteen and eleven, twelve. He had twenty-eight goals. And I bet. And I bet you, if we look up this, the the uh, scoring leaders that year in the NHL, I think that was the year it was down. I think that that was the year the scoring leader was like eighty-nine. Thirteen, fourteen, eighty-six. Yeah, I got. I'll, I'll pull it up. Okay. Yeah, um, but but anyway, the, the, fact, your the fact that he has bounced back like he has, I think he's, you know, of course, depending on how this plays out, depending on if they make the playoffs or not, if they miss the playoffs, all of the uneducated people are going to be screaming that it's Kolodzirou's fault, that he did a poor job of of stepping up in big situations. And it's it's obviously this core group of veterans time to go. It's time to trade uh, Voracek and Giroux and going to next season and let's tear it all down. Let's make Nolan Patrick the captain. Let's make him the first line center. Like <laughs> I can see it all now. I mean, it's Philadelphia. This is, this is what Philadelphia fans do. And Flyers fans are probably the nuttiest group of them all. And I say that with love because they listen to our podcast, but like in fairness, I think most Flyers fans, if they would take a step back would say, yeah, we're, we're pretty nuts. Like uh, the way that uh, some people have, have accused Flyers fans of drinking the orange Kool-Aid 
um, at pretty much every juncture. Although I, I do think that to some extent between the coach and the GM and some of the decisions that have been made this year, um, I, I think people have started to get hashtag woke. So I'm, I'm just kind of hoping that regardless of how this plays out, we've now seen that Claude Giroux does have this in him. And knowing that next year you're going to be going into a season where all of these young kids that you've actually given legitimate time to, legitimate shifts uh, in the midst of a playoff run, they're going to get that much better. And even though he's going to be, you know, 31 next year, he's shown you that he's capable of setting career highs. He's certainly not on the downside of his career. And this is maybe like the one thing that I think if you take everything else away from the season, if, if you pull yourself away from the anger that you've had in, in watching Sanheim go down to the AHL for most of the season and seeing Konechny get benched and kind of seeing some of the weird uh, lineup choices that Dave Haxtell has made throughout the season, the one thing that he nailed, and he deserves all the credit in the world for, was moving Giroux back to wing. It, it yep. has probably extended his career or at least extended what maybe we would consider up to his, to his prime. I mean, it's kind of hard not to say that he's in a prime year if this is the best year of his career points-wise. It's probably extended his prime another two, three years, right? It, it's made him beyond a serviceable NHL player. It, it really does put him into an elite category uh, in terms of scoring leaders and as, as a guy that you can rely on to lead this team you know, through this next two, three-year window where all these young kids are going to, you know, start to enter their primes. Maybe at that point, he's on the end of his career. He's on the end of being that top line, uh, you know, wing. But he's, he's, I, I don't, I don't really know what else to say, except he's, he's been everything that I think we've ever wanted him to be. He's, he's done everything that he's supposed to do as the captain of this team. And, you know, it's a shame if they miss, but again, if you go in with the preseason expectation that they were going to maybe be a, a fringe playoff team, he's he's led them to, you know, I think what your best case scenario preseason would have been. Yeah, I, and you're right. And by the way, I looked it up. So in 2013-14, I wasn't off. Uh, he was That was the year he was the Hart Trophy finalist. Uh, Crosby won the Hart Trophy that year. Who? Giroux, Sidney Crosby. Who? <laughs> and Giroux finished third in the NHL in scoring with 86 points. So my memory wasn't completely shot it was just uh partially partially uh, incorrect as to the total so i was only off by about seven points i didn't get and to complain about this in the last show does yeah. it ever bother you now I, I know this is a philadelphia fan thing where regardless of the sport we often think that the national media and the the uh, play-by-play crew hates our team i love doc emmerich a lot even though he occasionally sounds like a pirate but <laughs> It, it really does bother me that at the end of that game, I'm going to pull my mic away because if I if I do a doc, I'm going to pop the mic. So we get we get down to Boston scoring, right? Uh, they score in the last four seconds, and it's uh, the Bruins score, and he's like losing yeah. it, right? And typically, I'm really I'm really hyped for some Doc Emmerich. Like when Kenny Albert's on the call, and Kenny Albert seems like a lovely man. I don't know him personally, but I'm sure he's a delightful human being. But when Kenny Albert or whoever that other guy they had who kind of looked and, and sounded like a, a, uh, a Diet Pepsi version of, of uh, Doc Emmerich during the uh, Olympic break, he called one of the Flyers games. I forget his name. I made fun of him on Twitter because uh, he was you know Diet Doc. Whenever Doc Emmerich does a game, I'm excited, but I've I've started to feel like recently we haven't been getting that same kind of beautiful Doc Emmerich treatment. And uh, even on the game-winning goal, 
against Boston. It did not feel like a climactic moment. It was very disappointing. I, I and, loved it. You know why I loved it? Because he got out. Of, we're gonna disagree. Because he got out of the way. Yes, he did. It was very. You know, it, it was very Harry the K of him. It was. It was beautiful. He. You know, and and his best line came as Drew was skating in with the with the puck for the win. That's what he said. For the win, score, and then he let it go, and then you heard the crowd. To me, that's the best kind of call. I hate a guy who just keeps talking during an, an, a climactic moment in a, in a sporting event. And it was I thought it was one of his better calls. I really did. I really enjoyed it. You I have gave him an appreciation him for the finer things story. in life. You, <laughs> you wanted a nice little glass of, uh, of a Cabernet or something, and I... I just wanted I wanted a full fledged Red Bull in that moment, and I got you know I, I got like a full Red Bull on the uh, the the Boston call. I I just felt like it was somewhat anticlimactic. Although I'm I'm kind of glad that he didn't go down to Pierre right after that because I, I'm pretty sure the Pierre is is a uh, Pittsburgh robot. It feels like every time they go down to the glass, it doesn't matter if the Penguins are playing or not. But it's like now down to Pierre McGuire. Go ahead, Pierre. Oh, thanks, Doc. Uh, Sydney Crosby. Uh, Sydney Sydney Crosby. Back to you, Doc. Have fun yeah. out there. Like seriously, like I don't, I don't know what Pierre does. Um, he he also seems like a delightful man. He kind of waddles like a penguin. Good for him. Anyway, uh, that I just had to get that off my chest. It's been bothering me since the Boston game. By the way, where you you hear him talk, right? Which where one do you think he's from? Who Which Pierre one? McGuire? Pierre? Pierre? Where? Yeah, where do you think he's from? Uh that's a good question, there, Anthony. Uh <laughs> I don't know. Is he is he from Western PA? No, he can't be. No. No. Can I have a hint? He's, come on, just take it. So you you hear him talk, right? So what, where does he sound like he's from? I mean, he sounds like he's from the boonies, if I'm honest. Like a, he he sounds like people that I grew up around, uh, which is not helpful. That's North Central Pennsylvania, so it's it's not that. Uh huh. It's not that, right? No. Is he from Saskatchewan or something? Can he be from no. somewhere really you, cool? No. <laughs> I want to. I want a hint. Don't don't just give it to me straight. I'd. Like, Let's play okay. the guessing game. Come on. So so here's the thing. All right. So he was – all right. You want me to give you a clue? Yeah, I want a clue. I know that Pierre uh, tried to interview for a Pittsburgh Penguins job a couple of years back, right? Like he was uh, – Okay. His first, his name of, in first of all, it's also not his first name either, Pierre. What? It's not. Stop. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Stop. No. Yes. No. Okay. I'll this tell you. Like right, John Stewart's here's name the, isn't really John Stewart. Don't tell here's, me that. Here's, here's the guessing game. Okay. His real first name – uh, is the same as a former talk show host. Bill? No, what what kind of talk show host? I said f- I, former talk show host. Well, Bill O'Reilly doesn't do it anymore. He was a... T- yeah, oh, it's, oh, okay, that's where you were going. Uh, um, Regis? Right, oh, my God, is it Regis? Can he be... Regis is, Philbin! He, he is. Regis, P- Regis Pierre Get Maguire. His, his name, name is really yes. Regis? <gasps> yes. <laughs> okay. And he was... And he was born... He's from... Inglewood, New Jersey what? is where he's from. Okay. No. Now he grew up, to be fair, he grew up a little bit in Montreal because his, um, his mother is, I believe, uh, French Canadian. That's why Pierre is the middle name. Um, uh, so he kind of grew up in Montreal, but he went to Bergen Catholic. <laughs> I mean, that's where he went to high school. He went to Bergen Catholic. I'm so upset. <laughs> he, like, I'm he's, he's a, this he's is a beautiful. Jersey guy. Oh my God! Why does he hate like, the Flyers? Sounds like he's from Toronto. I know. I, Why? It's crazy. It's crazy. This is not okay. Yeah. All right. Well, here's <laughs> here's to you, Regis. All I can think, and it was funny. I was thinking about Regis Philbin the other day. Do you remember when Fox Sports won um, 
when they started up a few years ago. I think it was like four. No, it's five, five years ago. I think is when they started FS1, and one of their anchor shows was like the five o'clock show that was supposed to go head to head with with um, around the horn and um, PTI. It was a show called uh, Crowd Goes Wild, and they initially started off with Regis Philbin as the uh, the host of that show. Oh, no. and it was. I, was his name is it Jason Gay from the Wall Street Journal? He was he was like one of the sports guys. They had some stand up comic who I don't remember. Some British lady named Georgie. I I don't remember all of it, but Regis would essentially sit back and he would defer to everybody else, and they would like say the name of a popular player. Like let's say they said Sidney Crosby, and say I don't know who that is, but let me tell you something. I knew a guy named Sidney once before. He was a great guy, and he had a big nose, and this guy looks like he has a big nose, too, and then he would get out of the way. And you're like, this doesn't make any sense. You need Kathy Lee and her wine. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. So See how, see where we died? This, uh, this podcast has gone. To. This is, <laughs> this is all this. this is all Yori Latera's fault. <laughs> Just make the play, Yori. Just skate yeah, no. back. Ugh. Yeah, it's 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 pretty uh, it's pretty special. But Pierre Pierre's a guy that you know I've never been a big fan of. But that's beside that's just me personally. I don't Regis McGuire, Regis McGuire from Inglewood, New Jersey, went to Bergen Catholic High School. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Is there anything so. else that we need to talk about to prepare the people for what is uh, what's going to happen? We got Carolina coming up. Yeah, Carolina. I think what I'd like to see um, uh, hasn't been reported yet but i I'd, I'd like to see brian elliott get back in goal um if he's healthy i think that's uh it's something that the flyers really need they need a stabilizing person in goal uh, because Mrazek, you know I, i'm not a fan um and uh Neuver's obviously out I, I alex lyon is uh, not a guy that you can really rely on so i'd really really like to see the Flyers uh, get Brian Elliott if he's healthy. I mean, that's that's the key, Russ. If, if Brian Elliott is healthy, to get him back on the ice. I also want to see them put Scott Lawton back in the lineup. Um, and I would personally, obviously, I would take out Laterra, but you know, Haxtell relies on him a little bit, so um, maybe he has to. You know, maybe he's going to keep him in. But I'd like to see the Flyers get Lawton back in the lineup. And the the more important thing is. When they played the Hurricanes the last time, they tried to match Val Filpola's line against Justin Williams' line on that top that top unit for Carolina, and they the Williams and his group abused Filpola and his line. They cannot do that again. They cannot. They have to change up their matchups, and the Flyers get the last change. So they have to put the better. They have to try and get Couturier's line out against Justin Williams' group. I think that is the most important. Thing for the Carolina game tomorrow, um, and, and I, other than that, I, look. I, if I'm making a pr- prediction, and I, I always tell people, I have a friend of mine who's a, a big time degenerate gambler, and he always reaches out to me for hockey picks. He loves betting hockey, and he says to me, uh, "Yeah, come on, give me the Flyers game, give me the Flyers game." And I, I said to him all year long, "You can't bet the Flyers. It's a fifty-fifty every night. I mean, you just can't." Um, although I did give him the over for the Islanders game, and he was loving me. The other night, he was texting me. He's like, he's like, I want more of this. Um, but if I had to pick the game, if, if you said to me, pick the, pick the game for Thursday against Carolina, I'll pick the Flyers to win. I think it just means so much to them, and the game means nothing to Carolina, and it's here. 
If it was in Carolina, yeah, they might play down, but I think that this is kind of a kind of important. So um, I think the Flyers will win. The question is what happens in Florida, and then we'll uh, we'll take it from there. How nervous are you going to be if if Florida ends up beating Boston? How nervous am I going to be? Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to be nervous. All right, how nervous are the are the guys? How how tight are the sphincters going to be? In the Flyers' locker room. Oh, it would. It, so that's the thing about this team. Are we talking they, about like cold to a diamond kind of yeah. pressure. Like I, I, I've got to think it's close, right? Yeah, I agree. I, if they lose this game against Carolina, boy, Saturday is going to be something else with that team. It's they're going to go into a. They're going to take the bunker mentality. They're not going to want to talk. I guarantee you, they don't practice on Friday. There won't be any media availability. They'll be very. It'll be very insular. Um, yeah, I think I think Saturday becomes a whole different animal if the Flyers lose to Carolina. But that said, I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to beat the Hurricanes. That at least gives me a little bit of hope. I, I'm nervous, Anthony. I'm going to be honest. I, you know, I, I think the people that are listening, they want to be reassured that that this team is going to go on to the playoffs. Let me just uh, throw this back at you. I feel like we're yeah. we're playing like hot potato today for some reason. It just it, yeah. that's how it feels. It's good. Um, yeah. If they make the playoffs, they're currently projected to play. Is it Boston? If the standings right now, hold right now, it would be Boston. If the, if the season ended today, it would be Boston because they have a tiebreaker on Tampa. But I think uh, Tampa has a little bit better chance. Well, I, we'll see. I mean, I, it, it's kind of fifty-fifty right now because Boston has a tiebreaker right now only because it's it's the it's the NHL and they don't base anything on past uh, outcomes. They base it on future outcomes. And Boston has one fewer game. They have a game in hand, so they just so the NHL assumes that because they have the propensity to potentially score uh, earn more points, that that's the tiebreaker. So it's silly, but yeah, it's, it's about a fifty-fifty shot at this point. Do the Flyers have a chance to win in a first-round series? Or we against Bo- against Boston or Tampa? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Anthony, you're supposed to lie. You're supposed to tell the people that there's a chance. No, I, I, you said for 40 minutes I'm supposed to make pretend it's the opposite, right? And then the last right, 20 I'm fair. supposed to come hard. Yeah, no, they have no prayer. Can they extend um, it to a six game series? Or, like, is it is it a is it a sweep by your estimation? Can they I'm, can they push it past five to a sixth I, game? I, I don't think either one of them is a sweep. To be okay. honest with you, I, I don't think it's a. The point is, is I just don't think they can win four times in seven games against either of those two teams. Um, you know, I mean, you saw how they played against Boston. They've, the last two games against them, I mean, they won in overtime and they lost one in with what twenty two seconds left to go. Uh, the last time they were up in Boston, so they play the Bruins tough. Um, the Bruins are just a more talented team overall. So you, you just got to assume that they're going to win that matchup. Tampa Tampa's defense has been a little leaky down the stretch, so they've been getting into a lot of running gun games. Um, I think that there's a possibility that you know they can steal one, maybe two from Tampa. But Tampa's offense is so darn good; um, they they just can score at will. And boy, the Flyers' defense and goaltending is is not that strong. I think that Tampa could. I think what that can end up happening. You might be able to steal one or two from Tampa, but the games you lose, you're going to end up losing like six to two. Okay, so so the question is, is it, yeah, you might win one, you might win two, but boy, you have a chance of getting your doors blown off three or four times. How long will it take Dave Hackstall to pull the uh, the goalie, whoever it is, if it's Brian Elliott, or if they, God forbid, have to go into it with uh, a Neubert, uh Mra- Mrazic duo? How long does it take him in the playoffs in the first game? 
to pull to pull, to pull a goalie. A goalie. Yeah. I I don't think he would pull Elliott unless Elliott's having a bad game. Um, I, again, I, and I think the team actually feels they play a lot better in front of Elliott because I, I think they're more confident in him. Um, but if you're if you're relying on Mrazek uh, or Lyon or Neuver, if he somehow gets healthy, um, I would say goal th- goal three definitely. Maybe even goal two, depending on when it is and what the score is. I mean, if it's if they get two quick goals and it's two nothing, you could see the change that quick. Um, I don't think that they have a lot of confidence in Morazic. They kept him in against the Islanders, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But it, again, I don't think any of the goals were really his fault. He just didn't make the big save that you needed. Like he got made that big save against Boston, right? That incredible save, glove save um, on Pasternak, that was really incredible. It got yeah, maybe one of the saves of the year, um, but he didn't do any of that against the Islanders. And so that maybe that's the only reason he stayed in is because it wasn't a bad goal, but he didn't have the big save either. All right, we have some questions from the fine folks on twitter.com. Woohoo. Uh that was great. Brandon Lawrence uh at BD Lawrence 12 says, "What are the odds of them blowing it and not making the playoffs?" What are the give, odds? Yeah, give them a give them a percentage chance. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to get in. Um, I'd say probably 20% chance that they blow it. I'd say 80% chance that they get in, 20% chance that they blow it. Nick Papillo at the kid 247 asks, why do the Flyers always give up a game-tying goal right after the other team pulls the goalie? <laughs> so six on five has become a dip- – It's it, this is the thing. I, I, I'm not going to defend the Flyers here because you would think that they would be able to – learn how to get the puck out of the zone and that's their biggest that's their biggest problem it's six on five five on five down the stretch when they're trying to sit back and and protect a lead they struggle to have a zone exit they struggle to get the puck out um sometimes they do but they ice it and then they got tired guys on the on the ice so that really is a systemic thing again this is what to me you blame where you blame the coach um yeah of course sometimes it could be players but at the same time if it's a recurring thing that you can't have a zone exit really well, um, then you, you're doing something wrong. That said, six on five in hockey nowadays has is changed because, and it's actually started. I'll tell you, you know who started this trend? <laughs> Craig Berube, believe Stop. it or not, when he was the Flyers coach, he Hail believed to in, the Chiefs. Yeah, he believed in pulling the goalie when you're down a goal or down two goals. Earlier, so if you're down, so now if you're down, if you were down a goal, he says, "Why do I have to wait till the last minute?" He says, "What if I did it at two minutes or two and a half minutes?" And he said, "If I'm down two goals, what if I do it at like four or four and a half or five minutes?" So it was a trend that kind of started then. So goalies are getting pulled sooner. So now you're getting the best offensive players with an, with a man advantage uh, on the ice for the other team against your better defensive players who aren't trying to score. And so the play stays in your zone longer, and there's more time for them to score. So a lot more six-on-five goals are actually happening in the final minutes of games because of that, because there's more time to score. It's, it's not just the last minute of the game. All right. I think that's our last Twitter question. Anthony, here's good news. We have some iTunes reviews. We've got some five-star ratings. We're wow. up to uh, yeah. We've uh, let, let's uh, let's read these. Let's recognize the people. Uh, this person, I'm going to butcher your name, and I apologize. And in in I think this is Amelia Audrey Sand says. It's, oh no! Wait, wait, what? wait, wait! Stop right there. Why? Do not. You don't need to read that one. 
Is this somebody? <laughs> Wait, the sand. That's a relative. That's a relative. That's, oh, no, no. We love relatives here on Snow the Goalie. <laughs> it's so great to have Anthony involved with the site. He's the go-to person in the city for hockey coverage. <laughs> You're darn right, Amelia Audrey San. Oh, do and the title was, wow, exclamation point. <laughs> That's fantastic. The Dan uh, Tucker writes, not related. writes uh, CB's writing staff is top-notch, five stars. Anthony Sanfilippo is another example of some top-notch writing that has come to Crossing Broad since the revamping of the site. Russ does a solid job moderating as always. Really looking forward as, or really looking forward as this develops into what is currently a 99.4% playoff chance and through the offseason. Great to see another outlet for the group. Keep it rolling, unlike some of the other Philly-centered Flyers podcasts that show up maybe once a month. And finally, Vic underscore Vinegar. Good stuff, five stars. Finally, something that isn't the Broad Street Hockey Podcast. Great first episode with good info, a legit guest, and nobody screaming in my ear the entire time about nonsense like a certain aforementioned program. While I can neither comment on that, uh, nor am I willing to, because we all love the Flyers, right? The hockey team, the Flyers, they're, they play on ice. They have sticks and they, they hit a puck and we all talk about them. Uh, I don't think Anthony and I like to scream though. I don't think it's part no. of our nature. No, not that definitely not part of our nature, but I like hearing that. It's good stuff, Russ. You know, Flyers fans are crazy. You know this, right? They are? Stop. Oh my Stop the madness. No. So it's, here's the thing. And this is, this is my, this is my take on fans in Philadelphia. I think that the the fans in this city are most passionate about the Eagles, no question, right? There's not even an argument there. And they really get behind the Eagles, and they talk about the Eagles, and they live, eat, sleep, and die the Eagles. And that's great. But when you talk about the hardcore Flyers fans, this is another level of – this is a different animal, like a different species. They are they – are, they're a little insane. Um, they <laughs> – I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you a story. In 2004-05, there was a lockout. So the Flyers didn't play. That was the year that the entire NHL was gone. So that year, I was reassigned to cover the Philadelphia Phantoms of the American Hockey League, minor league hockey. And so I was the first and I believe still only uh, reporter in the history of the AHL, which is now somewhere in like 88, 89 years to travel and cover every game that a team played in one season. Okay, so I went to all 82 uh, Phantoms games that, that year and every playoff game. They won the Calder Cup that year. Um, went to all the playoff games. And the Flyers fans who started coming to the Phantoms games, I was the only reporter. So they would come up, and this, this was in the old spectrum. So, like, the fans and the, and the press box, you could, like, just talk to the fans. It's not like it is now where we're kind of we're isolated. Um, back then, I mean, the fans were right there. I mean, they would just come up and start talking to you. I, I had people who used to bring me my own personal cheesecakes every game. Literally, they were. They would bring me a cheesecake every like game. Like a personal size, or, or like a personal size. So the one, wow, the one fan worked at a uh, lived in Tuckahoe, New Jersey, and would come from the Tuckahoe Cheesecake Factory, and would bring me a cheesecake. Now, of course, I would share it with the other people working in the press box. Well, of I course, eat the whole, you would the whole darn thing by myself. But it was all like it was every time it was a different flavor. And then, like, it got to a point where she was asking me, like, hey, you know, which which flavors do you like the best? And, like, this is kind of ridiculous, right? So I would get this. But not only that, 
they created an Anthony Sanfilippo fan club. Okay? Now, wait. This gets better. So... Was it led by... What was it? Amelia Aubrey? No. Okay. No, it was not. No, it was not led by her. No, it was not. No, no relatives. Okay. So, the fan club, um, the Flyers played the Penguins affiliate in the playoffs. It was the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. And every time that in the regular season that I went up there, I thought that they were the worst fans I had ever seen. Like, I thought that they knew nothing about hockey. They yelled and screamed at the wrong times about the wrong things. I mean, really. I mean, you could tell... And I was like, boy, these people really need an education in the sport. So when it, when they found out that when I found out the Flyers were going to uh, Phantoms were going to play them in the second round, I wrote a column for the newspaper, the Daily Times, and I was saying this, you know, this is kind of a a, um, a tutorial for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton fans since you guys know nothing about hockey. <laughs> and so it was really tongue in cheek. Well, on the message, the the Penguins message board, there were threats to my life. And the team, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins team, reached out to the paper and said, it's not safe for Anthony to come here. <laughs> so I was like, what do you mean it's not safe for me to come there? I'm covering the team in the, in the, in the playoffs. So I went, right? I went to the, t- <laughs> I went to the playoff game. Uh, I actually brought somebody with me as like a, uh, as like a bodyguard, right, <laughs> to go to the cover of the games at Wilkes-Barre. And they used to do a whiteout at the, all the fans. And sitting there amongst the whiteout fans were these four college girls with purple T-shirts that they had made that said Anthony Sanfilippo Fan Club on them (laughs) in the middle of the the whiteout. That's how how much lunacy there is with these people. They put themselves at risk (laughs) because these people were threatening me. And they're like, we're going to sit in the crowd and put your name on our T-shirt. I'm just a writer, guys. I'm nobody special. And they went that – I mean, that's the length that these people will go to to defend their hockey. So – yeah, they're they're a special breed, and and, and I I love them a lot. Uh, you know, even if I fight with them sometimes on Twitter, I, I understand where where the emotion comes from. I, I get it, and I feel it. And um, but I so yeah, I I do have a a special relationship with these people. Well, I guess we're gonna have to reinstitute that in case uh, the Flyers end up playing Boston. I think an Anthony Sanfilippo. Uh, fan club would would only make sense to send up to that city of Boston. Uh, you know, maybe we'll even start a Nick Foles fan club. Um, you know, apparently he became a partial owner of the New England Patriots, so uh, you know, good for him. You um, know, if you ever want, if you if you ever want to, I think uh, I could I could reach out to at least one of them uh, through Facebook. Uh, if you ever wanted to get one on the show to talk about, they did like road trips and everything. They were crazy. They were lun- they were crazy girls at the time. They were young twenty somethings. They're you know they're now mid to late thirties probably. Um, but I could certainly reach out. I think it, would, it could be something funny to to discuss one day. Oh my god, the fan club? Yes, I think the fan. <laughs> I think the Anthony San Filippo fan club is a total off season. Uh, oh yeah, that that's an off season podcast. Yeah, I yeah, want I, so. I want to know from conception all the way through um, how this came about and and what was exactly going through their heads. I think I think um, somebody's got to have a diary from that time, maybe a video log of all of the uh, shenanigans well, was, that ensued. It was, oh, it was 2005. I don't know if we had many video because there was no video phones. phones then. Yeah, there were flip phones. We were, we were, yeah, but they weren't. We Little weren't 3GP files, you know, we're, we're good. <laughs> it's going to be really grainy audio. It'll be pretty terrible, but, you know, maybe we'll put something yeah. together. That'd be fantastic. That would be fun. That'd be fun. I think we could, we could probably. They're probably listening right now. Look. Reach out, write a five-star review, uh, give us some info, 
Uh, we'd love to hear some stories uh, from Anthony's former time, ca- you know, covering the uh, the Philadelphia Phantoms. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> nothing, nothing greater than reaching back to a time when the NHL uh, became rather irrelevant uh, in the midst of a lockout, and I don't know if they've ever really recovered since, which sucks to say, and I, maybe I'm going to catch heat for saying that, but uh, that lockout certainly did not help them um, no, by, by any stretch of the imagination. And, and I can tell you that they didn't want a lockout. The league or the players? The Flyers. Because that was flyer, yeah. The, to the league, the league locked out the players, right? And it was uh, all thirty teams were in unison together, blah 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 blah. But I had people working for. Oh, I mean, he's no longer with us. So Ed Snyder, um, I guess I could say this now. He would he would tell me that not only he wasn't alone, but there was uh, about ten teams who were very unhappy with the fact that they were canceling the season and that they felt that the that Bettman was taking it too far. Um, and that it was not the right thing at the time. So, I mean, there was, yeah, and of course the Flyers were that way because they liked, they didn't want a salary cap. They, they could just buy whoever they wanted to buy. They spent more money than anybody else. So uh, no wonder they didn't want to have the lockout. It was funny because they, they had to make pretend publicly that they were supporting the league in this endeavor, blah, 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 blah. But they uh, really, really didn't want, and they weren't alone. I mean, they were, uh, the Rangers, I think, were a team that was like that. And, um, Boston, oh, not Boston. Boston was Boston was the surprise. Um, I forget who else was. Maybe Chicago. I don't remember. But it, I know that I know that there was like ten. Uh, also, according to Snyder, there were like about ten owners who did not want to lock out the season. See, that's bombshell kind of news right there. That is why yeah. people listen to Snow the Goalie. That's why they read your stuff on CrossingBroad dot com. Any uh, anything else that we want to throw out there? Your clock didn't ring at all today. That's. That's a disappointment. We got some because I'm not in the kitchen today. Oh. I I'm sitting in the dining room today, moving yeah. up in the world. Moving. Yeah. Well, it was it was quite. I mean, they you know they were watching TV in the other room. I didn't want to tell them they had to. Turn what are they watching so. in the other room? I have no idea. Now, it's like, what, were, what were you watching in the other room? Uh, hold on, he's he's got his headphones. I'm asking my son. What were you watching in the other room? What were you watching on on you? Were you watching YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? You're watching Hulu. What are you watching on Hulu? What? He's watching The Good Doctor on, on Hulu. Hulu. I love the way that you said the YouTube. The YouTube? It's like, that was, <laughs> thanks, Dad. All right. That's yeah. great. Oh, yeah. Hulu. How about that? Yeah. He's watching Hulu. We'll get them He's the sponsor the, the podcast. That'd be great. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, all right. So we are going into a final two-game stretch here. Hopefully, the Flyers are able to clinch ASAP. I think we'll, I don't know, maybe there's a chance that we'll record another show uh, on the the backside of them potentially clinching. Otherwise, we will be back, of course, on Thursday. Um, As always, Snow the Goalie, Flyers Podcast, is part of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. Make sure that you not only follow Anthony on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly, yeah, at at AntSanPhilly, I'm never going to get it right. Uh, me at Joy on Broad. Also, uh, check out the other the other shows and part of the uh, the podcast network. There's uh, Crossing Broadcast. That's me and Kyle Scott, the founder of CrossingBroad.com. Um, there's uh, Anthony's other podcast that he does with Bob Wankel. That's Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast. They they had a fantastic breakdown. You should go listen to that ASAP if you're a Phillies fan. And even if you're not, go listen. It's Anthony. It's more Anthony. And as that lovely iTunes reviewer said, uh, Anthony brings great stuff to the site. Uh, there's on Saturday. I can tell you. Right now, there will be a packed show 
for Crossing Broad FC recapping the Champions League. There were some some big things going on in uh, in Europe, in European football. So we've got that coming up. And it's always soccer in Philadelphia. Should be recapping uh, the Philadelphia Union, who, um, I, I don't know, they're they're a mess. They're always a mess. Anthony, any yeah. any uh, last bits of wisdom that you want to give the people? Anything else that you want to say that's going to stoke the fire is going to ooh, stoke the flyers fire in their hearts. <laughs> stoke the flyers fire. Say that. Say that three times real fast. Uh, sto- <laughs> stoke the flyers fire. 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 I, f- yeah. I fell off there. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so you want you want words of wisdom, huh? Yeah. For today. Any useless here's stats? My... Go ahead. Oh, please tell no, me you prepared no. something. Did you? No. After the last no, I episode. Didn't. Oh. No, I didn't. But you know what? I had. I had. Uh, I do. I, I do improvisational comedy. And you... We had a rehearsal tonight. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, you didn't know this? No. Oh yeah, I do. I do. We have a show coming up May May eleventh at the Players Club of Swarthmore. Um, okay. Is our next show. Yes, yeah, so you can. I might you have to come out to this. Yes, I, yeah, it's it, it's a good time. It's not just us. I mean, it'll we, be me. Invite teams. To- I'll, I'll, it'll be me and the Anthony Sanfilippo fan club. We'll be out there, <laughs> full force. <laughs> yeah, bring your no, white shirt and your purple markers. We're going. We're going wild. We get, no, we invite um, uh, other improv uh, teams from the Philadelphia Improv Theater and from around the Philadelphia area, and it's a it's a good night of comedy. It's a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, so I, I'm usually. Uh, on nights like this, I, my brain is usually working, you know, overtime, so I can, I can pull something out, you know. I'll, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you like I'm just off the top of my head one of those famous sayings that you know that you, you should that you should probably know. Um, you need a little bit of insanity to do great things. You know who said that? Uh, Einstein. No. No. I don't know. Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. Okay. Not Jimmy Rollins. Henry Rollins. <laughs> not not Jimmy. Henry Rollins. That was almost a Tony Bruno, Tony Bruno moment. You know. Yeah. yeah. You need a little bit of insanity to do great things. You know who Henry you know who Henry Rollins is, right? Oh my god. As a, and the only reason I know Henry Rollins uh that saying is Henry Rollins is cuz we actually share a birthday. Um, Henry Rollins and I have the same birthday, but he's um, he's a singer. He's uh, he does like hardcore punk and um, he used to have a show on MTV, the Henry Rollins show. Uh, he was on uh, what else? He had um, on that, he was, was on MTV. He was on a, um, 120 Minutes. Uh, he did Jackass. I, I, I recognize that name. That's what most people <laughs> in the comment section call me. Uh, he also went. We also went to the same high school, uh, same college. He went to American University. So Henry, that's Rollins. the only reason I know. That's only that's the only reason I know about uh, Henry Rollins. Yeah, the Rollins band. Yeah. All right. But, well. Yeah. Was same birthday. Same college. Yeah. You know, just just happened to pull something off the top of my head that he once said. Well, that's that's that is some great insight, Anthony. That that really. <laughs> I think that that certainly got the people really excited about this two-game stretch. I was I was looking for something like you know go out there punch someone in the head and and have a great day. But you know I'll take all right. I'll take, about, I'll take I'll a Henry one. Rollins one. Right, how about a bonus? Okay. How about a bonus? <laughs> a bonus quote? Absolutely. A bonus quote. And this one and this one you know I, you know I don't know if you saw the the news and this is this was a little sad but Winnie Mandela died um, yesterday was it or the day before. Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, I forget which day it was. It uh, or Monday or Tuesday, rather. Um, but in honor of Winnie, um, Nelson, Nelson Mandela quote, and this could tie into the Flyers. I never lose. 
I either win or learn. <laughs> My fire is not stoked, Anthony. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good. Those are good words. These are good words of wisdom. These are like these are nice things to say. This is almost like consoling <laughs> the fans after the Flyers miss the playoffs. <laughs> no, no, we need we need something. Uh, uh, all right, I've I've got it. Go ahead. This was a uh, a quote from a, a a legend in the sport of hockey. His name was Doug Glatt, and so I I encourage Nolan Patrick and and Claude Giroux and and the crew to to sit in a circle. And prior to their next game, I I think one of them needs to cite this famous quote. I think we both have a light in our stomachs, a special light, like E.T. And the team needs someone to light the way. My stomach light needs your stomach light. We can all phone home together. (laughs) All that's missing is Neil Diamond right now. There you go. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this you know, <laughs> what? you know he sang a song called "Turn On Your Heart Light," right? It was about ET. Sure, yeah. Did you know this? Yeah, sure. I'm showing sure. my age again. <laughs> well, go ahead, wrap it up. All right. So this has been Snow the Goalie. Thanks for listening. Um, again, leave a five star review in iTunes. Uh, come for the hockey talk. Stay for the uh, inspirational quotes and a reference to Goon and um, Henry Rollins and Neil Diamond. Yep. That sounds about Nelson Mandela. Sounds, Nelson Mandela. Where, where did Nelson Mandela come from? When was he brought up? I, I, I did you not just hear this whole thing I just said about learning? Oh, yeah. oh, oh learning? I didn't hear who it was by. Okay, and Nelson, yeah, Mandela, Nelson Mandela, or as the kids like to call him, Morgan Freeman. All right, Morgan this is Freeman, this yes. has been the second episode <laughs> of Snow the Goalie. Hopefully, the Flyers win. We need to get back on track. We need to find something to believe in once again. Flyers, I know you're listening. Dave, I know you're listening. Get the guys ready. Bring a playoff series to Philadelphia. Well, I'm glad you bring that up, Russ, because, by the way, yes, the Flyers are listening. I know this for a fact because I've spoken to people down there. So and just to prove it, uh, I promised them that you know I would you know promote something for them, and uh, the playoff tickets are already on sale, believe it or not. You can get Flyers playoff tickets. Go to PhiladelphiaFlyers.com today, and you can buy your tickets, even though they haven't officially – clinched a spot yet you can jump in and buy your tickets now and if they don't make it i think that you get some kind of credit to tickets for next year or whatever the case might be but trust me they're going to get into the playoffs you can grab a pair uh or more and go down and see their first round games uh, which will probably be game three or game four uh against some team from the eastern conference uh when they play so yeah get out there and grab yourself some uh, tickets philadelphiaflyers.com that led me to another goon quote when uh, doug Glatt looks at the love of his life, who's, uh, I forget what her name is. It's like, is it Allison Pill is the, the name of the actress. She's also on the newsroom. And he gives her the, uh, the, the little Scottish guy. He's got his little kilt on, the Highlander. She gives, he gives him the Highlander. And uh, she looks at him and she's like, you really shouldn't have done that. And he said, no, don't worry. It's official. So if you get Flyers playoff tickets, hand them to a loved one. And when they shriek in horror, knowing that the Flyers hadn't yet qualified, but by that point they will have, you can say, don't worry, it's official. Speaking of uh, official things, on Wednesday night, uh, that's April 11th, in, um, uh, I, th- I think it's Old City, we're doing a live podcast, uh, the Crossing Broadcast, Will, Anthony intends on being there, right, Anthony? As long as the Flyers don't have a playoff game that night, I will definitely attend. 
So uh, for those of you who listen to Snow the Goalie and also happen to listen to Crossing Broadcast, we're doing a live podcast on uh, the night of when, uh, Wednesday, April 11th, 7 p.m. at Six Feet Under Gastro Pub uh, in Old City. And I'm assuming they have TVs. And if Anthony can't be there because there's a Flyers playoff game, come on out. And uh, we'll, I don't know, maybe we'll convert it into a live podcast slash uh, Flyers watch party. That'll be, that could be fun. And if they're not uh, playing that day, Anthony will be there. And we will uh, obviously bring him on to do some Flyers talk as well. So if you've been waiting to meet the man, the myth, the legend, Flyers, uh, Flyers writer, Anthony Sanfilippo, he, the subject of the Anthony Sanfilippo <laughs> fan, fan club, club. <laughs> uh, come on out. Let's reinstitute the fan club, uh, get a picture, all that stuff. It'll be fantastic. Uh, that, again, is Wednesday, April 11th, 7 p.m., six feet under Gastro Pub in uh philadelphia i believe it's 727 walnut uh street underground so uh hope to see a bunch of you out there for that i guess this is the moment that we should end the podcast anthony this has been snow the goalie episode two a fantastic show the only flyers podcast we will talk to you again very soon if they win it'll be very soon if they don't win you may never hear from us ever again (laughs) or you'll just hear from us next thursday flyers we believe in you Bring us a playoff series. We want to scream our heads off. Uh, have a great day, everybody. Turn on your hot Let it shine wherever you go. Let it make a happy glow for all the world to see. Turn on your hot